This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 3-1 pitch, swing and a drive. Deep to right field, way up there, way out of here. Goodbye baseball. Eight strikeout for the King tonight and make it... 23 consecutive scoreless innings for Seattle. called on the outside corner, and there it is. It's time for the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Kyle Seager, that just happened. Thank you very much. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. And welcome to the opening day edition of the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. At Mariners Pod, thanks for being here. Finally, finally, finally. The day is here. It is opening day, and welcome to it as the Mariners take on the Texas Rangers Day Baseball to get things going this season. Oh, so excited. So, to celebrate, Aaron Goldsmith is going to be here. We're going to talk about the Mariners, and we're going to bring back something we did last year, which I thought was fun. Hopefully you did too. Our big, bold predictions from this season. I'd like you to join in too. So I'd read a few tomorrow. So you can tweet me at Gary Hill Jr. Or email GaryHillPXP at gmail.com. Send me your big, bold Mariners predictions for the season. I'll go through some tomorrow. You can hear mine. You can hear Aaron Goldsmith coming up in just a, a few minutes, our big, bold predictions. But it is opening day. Mariners taking on the Texas Rangers for game one, 105 first pitch, the opener for the Rangers, then 505 on Tuesday, 1105 on Wednesday, an off day Thursday, and then the home opener Friday night, 710 against the A's, a weekend series against the Athletics, then the Rangers come to town, so a six game homestand for the Mariners after these first three against Texas Rangers. So fantastic. So, so excited that it's here. It's going. Mariners have a chance, too, to set a little baseball history. Let's tie some baseball history. M's going for their 10th opening day win in a row, which would tie 10 in a row from the Boston Bean Eaters, who did it from 1887 to 1896. So the Mariners looking to tie the Bean Eaters. Now, there's a lot of things that you have to love about the Bean Eaters team that started this, the 1887 Boston Bean Eaters team. First of all, they had Hall of Famer King Kelly on the team as the outfielder, also as the manager. He took over, and the club went 49-43 and 43 after he did. And King Kelly that year, pretty good, batted 322. Eight home runs, 63 RBIs. Those eight home runs, that was third on the club. But and I love going through old pitching numbers, so this is perfect. So that season for the Bean Eaters, they had five pitchers throw, including King Kelly, but we won't count him. He only threw in three games. He did everything, clearly. 
So four pitchers used that season, but none more than old Haas Radborn. <laughs> One of the greatest names in baseball history. Old Haas started 50 games for the Bean Eaters that season and had 48 complete games. That's a pretty good ratio. He did have a 4.55 ERA. He went 24 and 23 on the season, throwing 425 innings. He struck out 87. That's that's not a great strikeout ratio for the amount of innings. 425 innings, 87 strikeouts. He allowed 21 home runs. That is a lot of pitches. I don't. I, I couldn't get a pitch count. Apparently, pitch counts weren't really kept. Uh, that much in 1887. Old Haas Radborn. Okay, I know this is completely off topic, but I, I've got to talk about Old Haas in his 1884 season with the Providence Grays, who won the World Series that year. So this was the year, his 29-year-old season. He was 59-12 and 12 on the season. 75 games pitched, 73 starts, 73 complete games, <laughs> a 1.38 ERA. He threw 678 and two-thirds innings, striking out 441. He faced 2,672 batters during the course of the season. <laughs> All these numbers are sensational. So that's Old Haas in 1884. I think his best season. I think whenever you can go out and win 59 games, you've had a good year. I know wins, you know, we don't look at it as the same. But that being said, I think 59 wins is something that we can step back and say, you know, that is a meaningful number. Pitching numbers are so great. So Kid Madden was 19 when he was on that team. He made 37 starts that year, 37 games, 37 starts, 321 innings as, I guess, the number two in the rotation, if you can call it a rotation. 50 starts, 37 starts, Conway, 26 starts, and Stemmeyer, 14 starts for the Bean Eaters in 1887. Other... I guess important note about the Bean Eaters, a lot of great mustaches when you look at the pictures. I mean, really good, especially King Kelly. Outstanding. So there it is. The Mariners, a chance to make history. The King, Felix Hernandez, will take to the mound again, and this has become an opening day tradition as, you know, he's doing something that you just don't see very often. He's taking the ball for the Mariners for the eighth season in a row on opening day, nine seasons overall, and it puts him in pretty exclusive company in the American League. So pitchers, opening day starts with one American League club. Walter Johnson with the Senators did it 11 times. Jack Morris with the Tigers, 11 times. Brad Radke with the Twins, nine times. Mark Burley, nine times. And now Felix Hernandez will be number nine for the Kings. So he joins... Pretty small group of pitchers and opening day starts. So something to watch as well. And Felix taking on the Texas Rangers. Mariners looking to win their 10th opening day in a row. And more importantly, get off this season to a good start with a win over the Texas Rangers. So tomorrow we'll have highlights. We'll have reactions. We'll have the whole thing. 
and the podcast, of course, daily from here on out. Here on out till well, whenever the season ends, and we'll see how far the Mariners can take it. To celebrate opening day, well, here's me and Aaron Goldsmith. We're going to talk about the Mariners a little bit and run through our big, bold predictions. To the six, all even at two, and for the play-by-play, here's Aaron. They're going me, Rick. Not me. That was right on cue. If they knew you, they would never do <laughs> you, buddy. One-two pitch, swing and a miss. Oh, did he get tied up? That was dirty from Felix. Picks up the dirties, washes them, and brings them back fresh. And we got Aaron Goldsmith here. Hair just glistening in the sunlight, so it's pretty distracting. I'm a happily married man with a child on the way, and I love King Perry. Um, that is that is me in a nutshell, and I talk about the Mariners on the radio every night. So kind of let it eat. Oh, breaking news: the bees are still there. You look up above the mound, and it looks like you're staring up to the mothership, like you could be beamed up at any moment. That white roof with all the circles and the scaffolding. Way out of here to right field. Thank you very much. Yes, there it is. The first open of the regular season. Aaron, welcome. Welcome. You know, Jim. You know, Jim. I gotta say, you, we, I've gotten a lot, a lot better, worse material since the last <laughs> time you made that open. If that makes sense. Hey, so there's another bee I mean, delay. I, I think you. I can work another yeah, bee delay. I, That's great. I've got plenty of fodder that I'm sure I've given you over the last couple of years. I know you're busy. You know, children, a wife, a day job. Uh, but I'm sure that at some point this season you will uh, you'll find even better bad stuff to put in there for my next open. And I can't wait. I'm very excited for that. Well, what I'm looking forward to a decade from now when we're doing this podcast and your open is 17 minutes long, our conversation will follow up <laughs> be like 45 seconds, and that will be the segment. <laughs> Perfect. I can't wait for that. I can't wait for a decade from now. Okay, speaking of can't wait, I think we all can't wait. It's finally here. It is finally opening day. I love opening day. I can't wait. This is so exciting. It really is. It's, it's one of the best days of the year, and it's been fun today to start kind of preparing for tomorrow while still taking it a little bit easy and, and recouping from, I guess, I don't know what our, our count is now. Maybe uh, we're, we're pushing 30, 35 days away from home at this point, uh, back home in Seattle. I think we, we all are eager to get back home, but first uh, three games here in Texas. But yeah, today's always a special day, kind of the calm before the storm. Uh, getting getting some notes done, uh, watching some games that were on earlier today, and uh, trying to relax for just a little bit as well. Trying to get all that in in one day, and then tomorrow, yeah, the uh, the first bus leaves the hotel at 10 in the morning, and uh, Scott Service has his first media session mm-hmm. as a real life regular season manager at about 11:15, and then uh, the bell rings and we get going at uh, noon Pacific time uh, back home in uh, Seattle with the pregame show. So, yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be an absolute blast, and you can't ask for a much better pitching matchup between the King and, and Cole Hamble. So I'm as excited as you are, G-Man. If I ever ran for office, which I'm never going to do, my sole platform would to be uh, make opening day a national holiday. That would be all I'd run on, and I think I'd have a chance to win because that's a great idea. It should be a national holiday. No one well, should work. No one should go to school. It should be just baseball. Didn't Ozzie Smith make a push for that a couple of years ago? Yeah. A pretty a pretty solid push to, to make that happen? Well, if the Wizard couldn't make it happen, I don't like my chances. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a very good point. Uh, so you mentioned the pitching matchup. It is fantastic. Felix against Hamels. And, you know, this is uh, 
this is a pretty interesting Rangers team. We'll talk about more uh, with them the next couple of days, but a team that had a really bizarre year last year, made their way into the playoffs. But uh, beyond the Rangers, too, this is going to be an interesting AL West. I think you look at every team, they could be up or down 20 wins in terms of their highs and lows, where they could finish. To me, it's a very tough division to get a hold of. Yeah, I think it's going to be a, a top-heavy division, maybe not quite as top-heavy as the National League Central when you think about three teams mm-hmm. at the top there, where you've got like the Cardinals and the Cubs and the Pirates. I, I think in the American League West, it's going to be tough with just the two teams from Texas. Uh, the Astros are improved, both in terms of their personnel this year, uh, but also in terms of just experience. This is an incredibly young team, as we all know, that has gotten a year better and now has playoff series, playoff time under their belts. That makes them scarier. Uh, the Rangers, if I'm an opposing team, I want to get as many wins against the Mar- or against the Rangers as I can before their rotation adds you Darvish into the mix. Mm-hmm. And when you get Hamels, Darvish, and Martin Perez as your front three, uh, Colby Lewis as the four, and then it's a little bit up in the air right now as to who the five is going to be for Texas. I mean, that's, just, that's about as scary as a front three as you're going to find in baseball, you've got two legit studs at the front line there with Darvish, depending on how he comes back from the Tommy John and when he comes back. And of course, Cole Hamels, who we all know well of, and Martin Perez, who really began to, to come on strong as well uh, before he was injured. So uh, pitching is going to be strong again for the Rangers. And I think Ian Desmond is a, an enormous wild card as to what he's going to do uh, in his year here in Arlington. Uh, but you add his name in the lineup, if he can get back to the offensive production that we saw him have, for the most part, a couple of years ago when he came to Safeco Field with the Nationals, that's a scary bat to add to already a very potent lineup. So I think the Mariners are going to have a, a pretty, uh, stiff test ahead of them just with the two teams in Texas. And not saying it can't be done, but that's, that's some pretty formidable competition. You know, the Mariners had a pretty interesting camp when you look at how things unfolded offensively, you know, their lineup looks uh, how it looked penciled out going into spring training, and I think you can say the same about the rotation. They hurt by injuries with the bullpen. How does the bullpen look to you coming out of spring training, watching those guys game in and game out? I feel a lot better about the Mariners' chances uh, over the course of the season, and of course we're not taking into account healthier. We're kind of just assuming that for everybody, right. Right. for all 30 teams. Uh, I'd feel a lot better about the Mariners against the two teams from Texas in particular, or anybody for that matter, if the bullpen was just on a little more steady ground than it is now. If, mm-hmm. for example, Charlie Furbush was healthy and was the guy that we know that he has been and was in there. I mean, how is Mike Montgomery going to be as a reliever for the first time in his career? Uh, that's one question mark. How will Steve Ciszek be now that he's back to the closers role? I mean, we know that he's had success in previous years, as recently as 2014 in the National League with the Marlins. Uh, does he have a chip on his shoulder? Can he kind of regain that form that he had uh, from a couple of years ago before he lost his job? Can Joaquin Benoit continue to be the fountain of youth? Uh, you've got Benoit and you've got Joel Peralta, who combined are 80 years old. <laughs> I mean, is this going to be something... <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, Benoit, for his credit, and we've seen it, Gary, uh, firsthand, whether he's been with the Tigers or the Padres, uh, he just continues to be productive. He continues to get his outs. And when he's been asked to be the closer even in recent years, he's been very successful at that. So, I mean, we shouldn't doubt Peralta, I suppose, at this point, because the results have been there. The results continue to be there. 
uh, despite his level of service time getting to be what it is. Peralta injured for much of last year with the Dodgers. He looked good in camp. Can he carry that over? Uh, you know, that's just kind of the tip of the iceberg. Uh, Nick Vincent seemed like a good pickup. He's got a track record, which is something that you're really looking for in any position, but especially a track record against right-handed hitters. Um, I mean, this is the bullpen that right now has some questions to be answered, and the only way we're going to answer them is to start playing games. I think it would be huge, too, for the rotation to give the bullpen help by shortening the work they have to do going long. And the I mean, the rotation should be a strength. If the Mariners are going to have a, a year where they push for postseason, the rotation will have to be a strength. And if they can keep the pressure off the bullpen by consistently going, you know, six, seven innings and outing, which is tough to do, you know, the first few weeks of the season. But consistently as we move through the season, that seems pretty big to me. Yeah, it's huge. You can tell that's kind of been the philosophy from Jerry since almost day one when he went out and got a guy like Wade Miley, who you can almost pencil in for sure every year for – right about 200 innings per season is that he wants those innings to be eaten by the rotation. I mean, we saw a couple of years ago when the Mariners almost made the playoffs, we saw Lloyd go to the bullpen. Gosh, G man, like in the fifth. I mean, if, mm-hmm. if he felt like his starter wasn't having it that day, I mean, the bullpen was so nasty <laughs> that it was bring on the bullpen for uh, as many as five innings, uh, four and a half innings if needed. So, it looks like it's kind of an overall different strategy this year because, well, personnel is different. It's, a lot has changed in the bullpen and in the rotation. So it does seem like that's the path that Jerry and Scott want to go in. Fortunately, they've got the horses, you would think. Uh, assuming health for Iwakuma, assuming a guy like Carnes, 26 starts last year, that's basically his track record in the big leagues. If he can continue uh, on that path. He's 28 years old. He's a young pitcher. I mean, he he only has roughly 32 starts in the major leagues. He's 28 years old. So we can't think of this guy as uh, somebody who's been around a long time, despite when his birthday is. Um, so the, the rotation is not without question marks, but I, I agree with you. I like Carnes. I like Miley. I like the established guys, Felix, Kuma, of course, Taiwan. Uh, but uh, there's certainly still nothing's guaranteed, especially when it comes to starting pitchers. Okay, I'm glad you mentioned Carnes because that leads us to something we did last year that I thought was pretty fun. So we're going to do it again this year. It's our big, bold predictions for 2016. Are you ready? Are you prepared? I'm, I'm very prepared. I'm very ready. Okay, good. Do you want to go first or would you like me to go first? Well, I have four and you have three, so should I go first? You should probably go first, yeah. Good okay. Work. That's why you're the and best I, in the business to, right there. Yeah, I tend to paint the picture here. Uh, I have a notepad, which I'm holding. I'm standing outside of uh, our hotel in Arlington, <laughs> and I'm using this uh, lamp as illumination as my 16-month-old son is has taken over <laughs> our bedroom in the hotel, and it's now pitch black in there. So all prep for opening day will be done uh, anywhere else but the hotel room. So yeah, well, uh, it has taken us to the, to the curb here at, at, in Arlington. Major League life on the road is always a glamorous <laughs> thing. <laughs> uh, but it's great. It's great having the wife and the kid here in Texas to start the season. That's been pretty fantastic, despite uh, being evicted. Okay, here is, um, here is my first bull prediction, uh, G-Man. I'm going to go with uh, Robinson Cano is going to become the fourth hitter in franchise history to collect 200 hits in one season. Mm, nice. Ichiro 10 times, A-Rod twice, 
Brett Boone one time uh, for prospective Cano in what was obviously a little bit of a rough year last season, 179 hits. So I feel like Cano uh, healthy, feeling good, looking good, got a new haircut, uh, tight sides, high and tight. Mm. I think Cano has got an extra uh, 21 hits in him this year from last season. I feel good about that. Haircuts can always be a big, a big factor in this sort of thing as well. It's a game changer. It's a game changer. You know, okay, so if since we're on the Cano theme, I'm going to stick with that. Cano's going to have a top five MVP season in the American League this year. And I think for many of the reasons you just mentioned, uh, you know what's funny about the season he had last year is his overall numbers are just kind of masked, I think, by the truly tough start that he had. But if you look at the final but since the end of May, really, especially the last three months. I mean, he hit 337 in June, 351 in August, 305 in September with power. Uh, what, 17 home runs during that stretch as well, uh, mixed in a bunch of doubles. He, even injured, he was able to stroke the ball through those three months. I think you hit it, though. He's going to be healthy. I think he's going to have a, a huge year in the middle lineup for the Mariners. Yeah, I bet you if you prorate those hits, right, from the time that you started mentioning there when he got healthy, if you kind of backdate that, if you take that, that production in those months and you kind of backdate it to the start of the season, I bet you he's right at about 200 hits. Maybe yeah. not right on the nose, but a, a lot closer than 21 shy. That's a good one. That was a, that's a good start. Good, strong start to the segment. Good work. Uh, well, I appreciate that. Same for you. Here we go for um, my, my second bold prediction. We're going we're gonna to go to the mound. We're going to go to the youngster who is uh, wearing number 44 this year. A Taiwan Walker. Sporting his Pop Warner football number on his back <laughs> this season. I think Taiwan this year will have more strikeouts than innings pitched this season for the Mariners, which I think it will nice. speak to his, um, I think, in continued aggression that we have saw at times last year from Taiwan Walker. Mm -hmm. And I just, I mean, this guy is, we, we know him by now. He's He's got this stuff. He's got the power. He's got the intimidation when he really turns it on. And we saw that from times last season. I think Taiwan really takes a big leap forward this year, picks up where he left off at the end of last season in, in Taiwan. Uh, now, we heard that there's not going to be innings limits for any pitchers this year, so who knows where that's going to put Taiwan in terms of innings this season with the reins taken off. At least that's what they've told us. Uh, but more strikeouts than innings pitch for Taiwan Walker this season. Officially a strikeout pitcher. That's good. I like that. So, boy, mm -hmm. I have a Taiwan Walker one as well, so it leads right into mine. Uh, I am predicting uh, 180 strikeouts this year for Taiwan Walker. So he's going to get awfully close to 200, which I think would be an excellent year. But he'll be third in the rotation in strikeouts, despite the 180. I like where you're going with that. So if uh, both of our predictions hold true, 180 strikeouts, 179 and two-thirds innings pitch? Yes. And would you, like, would you like to know the two that beat him out for strikeouts? In the I would. Yes, Absolutely. Okay. I think Felix is going to climb over 200 again this year. Okay. I think, and maybe I buried the lead in this prediction, I think Nathan Carnes. I think, I, yeah, I, I knew you were going Carnes. Big Carnes, I knew you were going there. Yes, 185 strikeouts this year. So perhaps I buried the lead, but there you go. Three pitchers in the rotation over 180, which would be – Pretty nice. Okay, I will. I have a stat to dovetail with that. Okay. G Money. Looking up Karn's strikeouts per nine last season, right? Because this uh -huh. was a big thing for Jerry. This is one of the reasons why he was 
attracted to bringing Carnes over to Seattle. Strikeouts for nine innings, if you want to get nitty-gritty, it was 8.88. They round up 8.9 strikeouts per nine last season for Carnes. So he's averaging close to a strikeout per inning. And I was curious as to kind of where that stacked up among other pitchers. He had a greater strikeout per nine than Garrett Cole, than Jordano Ventura, and more than Michael Pineda. Wow. I mean, these are all guys that when, when I hear those names, I think this is like a nasty stuff, yeah. power stuff, strikeout stuff. And Carnes, better strikeout per nine than, than those three starters. So that's not bad. No, that's that's a great stat. Those are live arms. I mean, Garrett Cole, oof, it's nasty. Yeah, I mean that's about as about as nasty as it comes in the National League. And Ventura, I mean, that's filthy stuff. Yeah. And we know what Pineda can do. So yeah, I I I, uh, I think you definitely buried the lead there, G-Man. But that's all right. All right. Okay. So I assume we'll have the same guy here. So go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think this year, Nelson Cruz. Oh, okay. Are we on the same line of thought no, here? No, Cruz, no, we're, we're, going, we're finally, we're, we finally have a difference here. Go ahead. Yeah, all right, this might not work then. All right, Cruz will be the first 300-100, or pardon me, 30. I mean, the, the street lamps are fading on me. It's the, it will be the first 30-100 hitter for the Mariners since Richie Sexton and Raul Ibanez in 2000. Wow. So 30 bombs, 100 ribbies. Of course, Cruz last year, 44 home runs, under 100 RBIs. I mean, are you ready for this, G-Man? I looked into the home runs for Cruz last year. 70% of his home runs came with the bases empty. Wow, that's a high percentage, 70. 70. So that is like the same thing as a Justin Smoke single up the middle with Brendan Ryan at second base. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I mean, in, in terms of like what it looks like right. on the scoreboard, right? Right. right. I mean, that's. Right. I mean, that's. I mean, this is why we've heard Jerry talk so much about getting guys on base, and how much how uh, how much of an emphasis that is this year for the Mariners. It's been such a problem in recent season for the Mariners. Uh, and then off the top of my head, I want to say Gary, and I'm pretty sure this number is dead on. If it's not, it's barely off at all. Four of his home runs, four of the 44, came with multiple runners on base. Four of the wow. So four of the forty-four came with multiple runners on base. You know what's interesting? I mean, yeah, that's that's startling. You've done really great work on something that I've been fascinated in, tied to this home runs without reaching one hundred RBIs. Because Cruz wasn't alone last year. It was, it was a really weird year in that regard. Yeah, it was strange that that uh, Mike Trout was in the same boat. Yeah. Uh, and it's like it's, it's funny if depending on how you search it, right? If you want to do exactly 44 home runs or 40 plus home runs, mm -hmm. the numbers obviously differ a little bit. But I mean, this is not something that happens often, right? 40 bombs or more under 100 RBIs. Yeah, uh, it's it's a rare thing, and kind of along those lines. And and I kind of so the great thing about so many of these stats is that it just begs, it just makes you ask more questions. Last year. We were. It was the month of September, either that or the very end of August. But I think it was in September. Cruz did not have a sacrifice fly right. to his credit. Right. That's so weird. He finished the season with a sacrifice fly, and I want to say he picked it up with like 
15 games to go or 20 games to go in the season. And, of course, the sacrifice fly has not been a official statistic. I mean, like, if you go to Babe Ruth's baseball reference page, like, right. he has zero sacrifice flies, right? Like, Ted Williams, I don't think has any sacrifice flies. I mean, the, the, the stat was invented after that time. So the data only goes back so far. But Adam Dunn was the only player to hit, I think the number was 40 homers and have a sacrifice fly until Nelson Cruz. So pretty, I think I think that speaks more. I mean, that, that's this gets back to the, the questions that it leads to. I think it speaks more to just having a guy at third base in that situation than it does to right. Nelson's ability. ability. I, mean, I, exactly I, I feel right. Yeah. Don't, don't you think? Yes, I think that's more of a commentary on situations than than Cruz. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not that he's not that it's like a sure thing, and that ten times out of ten he's going to bring it in with a guy at third uh, and less than two outs. But I just don't think there them. I just don't think that he had that many opportunities. Yeah, I thought I this is a hunch. It's my guess. No, I'm right but, there with you. Oh, by the way, too, National League MVP last year, Bryce Harper, 42 home runs, 99 RBIs. He didn't get to 100. Either. Bingo, there it is. So we had three three guys last year, Harper, Trout, and Big Cruz. That's crazy. There was somebody else towing the line, too, but I don't have it in front of me. But, yeah, that's amazing. So uh, mine, you know, mine is closer to yours than I would have thought because I didn't think of it in the context of 30-100. But I think Kyle Seeger is going to go 30-plus home runs this year and 100-plus RBIs. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad you said that because I, I almost went down that path. Because if he did that, and I, I, don't mean to, I don't mean to cut you off of the pass here, G-Man, and run with the ball, but if he did that, there's never been a Mariners third baseman to go 30 and 100. Mm, wow. Like I want to say, Jim Presley had yeah, he had like a twenty thirty. He he either had the thirty part, but it had like ninety some ribbies, or he had a hundred ribbies and had like twenty eight. It was one one way or the other. Uh, but in any event, I, I like what you're thinking. I mean, I think the improvement that we saw from Seager against left-handed pitching last year, uh, I'd like to think that carries over to this season, and he just gets better every year, right? So yeah, I'm with you. Gary, I like that. Presley's high was 85 with 28 home runs. In 86, he drove ah. in 107. Okay. So he kind of did it. All right. So he, that makes sense. All right. So there you go. Hasn't happened by Mariners third base. And by the way, speaking of that, along these lines, I was looking up tonight. Seeger this year, with even just like a well below average season, if I remember correctly, he will become – the all-time leader in home runs by Mariners third baseman. I mean, he'll pass Beltre and he'll pass Presley. Yeah. So, it's, I mean. It's amazing how quickly he's climbing, too, on games played lists and lists like that. I mean, he's climbing up the Mariner ladder pretty quickly. And what's, what was the nugget you found last about him? French, uh, left on left home runs. Like, outside, like Griffey's the only guy with more in Mariners history than yeah. Seager. Yeah. Is that right? Seager, he passed. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, but he passed. Abanez was one of the guys he passed. I mean, he's got like a thousand to try and catch Griffey, but I think he's got like thirty-three, something like that, which is really impressive. In rough, in rough numbers. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think he's got thirty-three in his career again, left on left, which is pretty awesome. You know, what was remarkable about him last year because we talk about left on left so much, but if you take away 
the left part and just say home runs against lefties, he was second in the American League behind Nelson Cruz. That includes right-handed hitters. That is, that is remarkable. Yeah, I think so. And he's right. He was tied with Todd Frazier, who did it in the NL. Ah. But I mean, we're talking. So if you talk about all Major League Baseball, is Cruz and then Seager and Frazier. That's kind of astounding to me. Seriously, I agree. All right, you ready for my fourth, my fourth and final bold prediction? Yes, I'm, I'm excited. And this is, I'm looking forward to it. This, this, is, this has nothing to do with any type of numbers or anything. This is just, this is just pure emotion speaking, Gary. Okay. Oh, emotion, yes. Could tell Marte will hit for the cycle in 2016. <laughs> oh yes, that's a great one. I like that. I like. And who knows? Based based on what we saw in Peoria, the home run could be inside the park. Oh, that's great. Hey, if you're and I know I could tell that he doesn't hit many home runs, but I, I think he's going to get hot in a stretch, like really hot, and I think it's going to all culminate in one night. And uh, yeah, it's it's going to be pretty special. Marte with the cycle, you heard it here. Yeah, and if he does that, if you're on the call when he gets it, will you make sure that you work in you, <laughs> you predicted it on the podcast? I think that'd be helpful for the listenership. That'd be great. You heard, you heard it first. On at Mariner's Pod <laughs> yeah. on April 3rd. Yeah, yeah. I, I know there that sounds a little clunky, but just work on it a bit and try and work it into the, the final call. I'll, I'll, I'll iron it out. It'll Marte get has done it as predicted on at Mariner's Pod. I don't know, something along those by lines. Me, by great. me, I did it. I predicted it. Me, me. Yeah, that, that's how it'll be. <laughs> oh, that's a great either, one. Either that, either, you know what, Gary, I don't, I don't care if I'm not on the If Rich's on the call, I'll just reach over, mute his microphone, and just start yelling. It'll be, it'll be, he'll, and he'll understand. You know, Rick's a great guy. He'll get it. He'll yeah. totally get it. Broadcasters love that too. They love. Yeah, no, it's great. Over. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good stuff. Not an issue. Well, I, I think I, we've knocked out some I pretty good ones it. here, G man. No, I, I have nothing else to say after that one. I like that one a lot. It, what's funny to me is I think about cycles in Mariners history. It's all the opposite guys that you would expect to have cycles for the most part. Which is funny. I mean, I think uh, Dan Wilson was Beltre. Was Beltre the last Beltre, one? Yeah, Beltre. Uh, Buner. Buner. Yep. 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 Absolutely. A Rod has one, but he was. I mean, that's not a, a big shock, but. Right. <clears throat> well, um, I feel good about this one, G Man. I think. Um, I think we've. Prim- I think we've primed it all for for opening day. I think this is quality work. Wait, oh, by, by the way, we were having a, we were having a text conversation about this earlier tonight, about if Felix's eight straight opening day start is the longest active streak in the majors, and it is. CC Sabathia had a nine opening day start streak snapped last year, when uh, when Tanaka took the ball. So Tanaka's second straight year, this season included, where he will open up for the Yankees. So Felix, at 29 years old, the longest active streak opening day starts in Major League Baseball. And I found this nugget online, which I thought was fantastic. And really, it's all relative to his age. That's why this is so impressive. If he strikes out 10 Rangers on Monday, and keep in mind, he struck out 10 Angels last year on opening day at Safeco Field. Mm -hmm. If he does that again, he will tie Roger Clemens for the fifth most strikeouts in opening day history for a career. That's a great nugget. That's that's pretty fantastic. I mean, to be 29 years old and tie Roger Clemens for opening day strikeouts in a career, 
for fifth most all time. Are you kidding me? I mean, that's that's amazing. That is amazing. By the way, I, I didn't mean Dan Wilson hitting for the cycle. He, I was thinking of his inside the park home run. It was John Olerud, the other one. Oh, oh sure, 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 sure. Olerud, yes. Yeah. Okay. Olerud, Buner, Arod, Beltre. That's the four. Wow, you brought a lot to the table. This was uh, you were strong. You're ready for opening day. You're ready for the season. Hey, man. I assume the check is in the mail, and we'll all be square. Oh, absolutely. It is in the mail. I may have misplaced <laughs> your address, but I'll find it, and, yeah. yeah, you'll get it for sure. Well, good stuff. We're looking well, forward exci- to the call I'm, tomorrow. Th- thanks, Eugene, man. I'm excited for this season, and this will be a good one. A lot of new stuff, as we all know, for the Mariners. And it uh, will not be an easy division, but it's gonna, this is going to be a fun season to see how it unfolds because, uh, obviously, a lot of anticipation, just like there was last year. Uh, but with so many new faces, uh, how this season is going to go is anybody's guess. I can't wait to see it unfold. Can't wait either. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll be listening. Thanks for everything. We'll talk to you soon. You got it, G-Man. Talk to you later. Someone once said, you don't grip a baseball. A baseball grips you. It fills our days and brightens our nights. Over the course of a season and the span of a lifetime. We share hope, drama, and joy. It brings us all closer together, nine innings at a time. It's the game we live. It's the game we love. Welcome back, baseball. Welcome back.